back to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. The block is hot for some baseball, some Husker baseball specifically, since Major League Baseball is uh, still shut down. I think the, catch, uh, the, the, the pitchers and catchers are supposed to report today, so um, obviously that's not happening as they are going, still having problems between the MLBPA and, uh, and the owners. But uh, Nebraska baseball around the corner either way. So we have Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald uh, to join us here on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline to help break down the baseball season uh, that's up and coming. Of course, they have a trip to Huntsville, Texas to take on Sam Houston. I believe they have uh, four games set up uh, for that. And as part of a doubleheader, even a seven-inning game I'm seeing here on their schedule. So uh, that'll be something to break into as well. But uh, first of all, uh, Evan, uh, welcome on the show again. I hope you're having a good day. What are you? Are you pretty excited for baseball? I am excited for baseball, and especially the way Major League Baseball is dragging its heels. And, and you know, if they're not going to play, darn it, let's get this college season going, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks like, like I said, Nebraska traveling now on the road to Huntsville, Texas, uh, to take on Sam Houston. Uh, what is the, what's the quality of opponent there in Sam Houston? Sometimes it's tough to, to, tough to, to gauge, but of course, uh, you know, playing in Texas, they do have the weather advantage that Nebraska fans uh, wish that they had as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're a pretty solid kind of, I guess you would call them sort of the, the baseball version of a mid-major program. I mean, they've had, I think it's 10 straight winning seasons. They, they're a program that has been sort of a stepping stone for coaches that have gone on to bigger things. Uh, David Pierce, who's the head coach at Texas, was their head guy for a while. Matt Deggs, who was uh, recently their head coach, is now at Louisiana. So it's been one of those programs that's generally been used to a lot of winning. They had a, a top five overall pick last year uh, in an outfielder named Colton Kowser. So, you know, they do. They get talent. They find a way to get it done. Um, you know, Nebraska's assistant, uh, their, their hitting coach, Matt, uh, Lance Harvell, was an assistant at Sam Houston State for a number of years, too. And, and their head coach, Jay Sirianni, is a former Husker who uh, was a teammate of Will Bolts back in 1999. So there's some Husker ties. There's some, some uh, familiarity there between the schools, for sure. And, you know, you, you kind of look at what they have back and, and what their strengths were last year. They were just, they, they were sort of league average, um, or I suppose uh, an average team in, in Division One. when you look at most of their statistics. Uh, again, they lost a couple of pretty impact bats, but it's, again, it's a team that kind of finds a way. It's, it's right in the heart of some fertile uh, recruiting territory, and they, they, they bring in, you know, talented players every year. So I think it's right. It's a really interesting opponent because it's not sort of a walkover that you might expect on the opening weekend, but it's also maybe not a top 25 matchup. So, you know, Nebraska has been able to practice outside, which is not always the case when they head on the road to start the season. And I think it'll be a good early sort of litmus test for what this team can be. As far as on Nebraska's side, uh, maybe just some of the losses they had uh, as opposed to last year, what are, what are you most intrigued about um, what they're having to replace and, and, and kind of going to grab your attention as you watch the team early on in the season? I mean, there's so many interesting things. Uh, the, the star power that they lost last year, how they recover from losing Spencer Schwellenbach, who was you know, essentially the best two-way player in the country, uh, is fascinating. But to me, it's... 
what, especially this first weekend, what I'll be interested in is how does the pitching come together? I mean, they announced the rotation earlier this week, and the two guys at the top, Kyle Perry and Shea Shanneman, were guys that you would expect. They're seniors, co-captains, um, you know, two of the better uh, players on the team. But then I was curious how the rest of it would shake out, and they, they went with Dawson McCarvel, who's a fifth-year guy, a grad transfer from Grand Canyon, and then their fourth guy, uh, and they won't have a ton of four-game weekends, but on, on this weekend, their fourth guy is Braxton Bragg, who's a third-year sophomore who really, by all accounts, took off in the offseason. He had a great summer, a great fall, and, and they're going to give him a chance to see what he can do right away. And so I'll be curious, uh, not just how those starters do, but then how does everything fill in after that? I mean, we know that Colby Gomez is going to get first crack at being the closer uh, the way he did as a freshman back in 2019. Uh, but everything else is sort of up in the air. I mean, there were a number of other players who were con- in contention to be weekend guys. Um, it's, it, we'll see how they do. Guys like Jake Buns or Cody Frank, um, another transfer, Mason Ornelas from Texas A&M. And they have a number of, of young guys, too. And the way I, I was thinking about this today, the way that I, I think you can maybe best sort of see the depth that this pitching staff has is that it, it brings in two top 200 overall recruits that are freshmen in Drew Christo and C.J. Hood, and we've essentially heard very little about them this year. And it's not because they're playing poorly, but it's because there are so many veteran, uh, you know, high upside guys that have already been in the system that are ahead of them. And so that, to me, to me is really interesting to see how that depth of, of, of pitching sort of manifests itself in the game if it's really as deep as Nebraska thinks it is. Um, and, and just kind of see who's developed. So the pitching part of it, to me, is really curious moving forward. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the block. Once again, Nebraska baseball uh, starts February 18th. That's just that's Friday. That's a few days away uh, at Sam Houston uh, from Huntsville, Texas. So that that will be exciting. That that first game, by the way, even on ESPN Plus. So if you want to, if you want to watch it, you'll be able to uh, with a subscription there. Uh, we're gonna jump a few sports here with you, Evan. So stick with us here. The 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 main one uh, is uh, is an interesting topic that's been kind of going on the last few days. Is the Adrian Martinez story coming over from his podcast um, kind of uh, going back over the the news of his broken jaw and how that was released and, and that you know that's not the way that he wanted it to be done um, did, did you have a, a problem um, I, I mean I guess do you do you look at it any differently than you did before the the, the podcast came out uh, not really I mean I, I I remember when Scott Frost sort of revealed that after the game, uh, and then when Adrian had to come up and talk about it, you could tell he was uh, caught off guard that that was something that he had to handle. I think we could kind of tell, you know, in the weeks before when he was up for his weekly press conferences, uh, you know, it, it just kind of the way that he spoke, you could tell maybe there was something going on with the jaw or the face or something like that. So it was interesting to hear that he would take those rubber bands out to try to keep that a secret um, moving forward. But, you know, I think generally it just sort of added some details to what we already knew about him, which was, you know, he's a tough as nails guy who was going to put his team first. Uh, as he mentioned, there were some, some health repercussions that he will have to face by continuing and playing throughout through the rest of the season, as opposed to having that, that uh, injury dealt with after it occurred against Michigan state. So, 
um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. It's, it's a new world, right? In college sports where one guys are transferring and still in college where you can hear stuff like this, but then, but then two, you know, just the, the, the accessibility to interviews, whether that's through podcasts or other NIL, you know, sponsored interviews, things like that. Like it's just a different sort of setup than we, than we were used to in college sports, even two or three years ago. So I personally don't think it changes much uh with what with with how maybe the fan base views him or how I view him and what he did at Nebraska. Um you know, again, some of the, the things that he's able to comment on now are are interesting because he's not at Nebraska anymore. So you would th- you would think that there's no reason for him to hide anything or, or to, to hold back with how he's feeling, but you know, he he's always been sort of a professional in how he's conducted himself in the media and, and you know, with the exception of maybe a few um, you know, expletives that you can get away with on podcasts. I think he's he's shown himself to be that same sort of guy um, on that platform as well. So, Evan, uh, we've we've been talking also about some of the impacts as we know that baseball is about to jump off. We also know that spring is going to be coming up for football right now, and uh, we know that there are some players on campus, and then they're looking to join the spring game. We kind of just been talking a little bit about some of the impact of players that may be able to uh, make a mark and 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 put a stamp on their their arrival uh, here to Nebraska. So one of the things we know the obvious ones that that are out there, you know, definitely the you know the the Casey Thompsons. We know about the Trey Palmers. But what what would you be some of the sneaky ones that may just be able to pop their head out and 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 really kind of make some noise uh, during the spring game for you. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned guys like Casey Thompson and, and Trey Palmer. Like, there are kind of two ways that I would look at it. Where on the one hand, you've got sort of those those high upside, touted, heralded incoming players who will just sort of force their way into the conversation. But then I think the other way that you can look at it too is to say, okay, where is their opportunity? Where is where is there an immediate need? for some upgrades. And so to me, that would be on both lines. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll throw out the offensive line specifically. I mean, they're, they're losing multiple starters there. They have a new position coach. And so, you know, out of the high school class, they really just brought in one player in Justin Evans Jenkins. I think he's a, a guy in two or three years who could potentially be the, the center for Nebraska, but that's a lot to ask of a, of a freshman coming in. So to me, it's, it's those transfers. It's Kevin Williams who played at Northern Colorado and is from the Omaha area. It's Hunter Anthony, who was a one-time starter at Oklahoma state. And, you know, it sort of changes how the transfer portal, I would say changes how we view spring a little bit because, you know, for, for one, it used to be that mid-year players would never come in. Um, you know, and it, it was a big exception. And then in the last handful of years, it was sort of a trend for high schoolers to graduate early and come in. Well, now we're seeing with the portal guys like Williams and, and Anthony. I mean, these are 22 year old guys with their undergraduate degrees in hand uh, that are whose who, whose goals and, and whose uh, criteria for a school is a lot different. I mean, it's not about the glitz. It's not about the facilities. It's about relationships. It's about having a chance to play so you can have a chance at a pro career. So, Guys like uh, Williams and Anthony, I'll, I'll be curious to come in. Again, there's opportunity on the line. Cam Jurgens is gone. Matt Sichterman is gone. Uh, it's a group that's learning a new style of play under Donovan Rayola than what they had under Greg Austin. 
And so those guys coming in, I, you know, if you're in Nebraska, you, you really would love at least one of them to settle in and to be a, a steady, um, you know, contributor and, and probable starter for you moving into the, into the fall again, just because of, of how many times have we seen it in the big 10? I mean, line play on both sides is what gets it going. And so uh, the offensive side of that ball to me is really interesting to see what one of those guys or maybe both of them can do. A lot of a lot of uh, people, I guess, I don't know if you could call anybody an Alliance fan, but a lot of people are thinking that the Alliance uh, may be dead today because Ohio State AD Gene Smith said he doesn't think playing uh, annual games against the ACC and Pac-12 would be worth playing only eight Big Ten games and not being able to play some of those other opponents. It, it I, I guess it especially catches you because it's Ohio State's athletic director, right? You would think that, that the Big Ten's just kind of mostly kind of follow along with what Ohio State says there. Um, do you think that that is, is I, I, I suppose, on the way? And then do you think that that would open up once again the door to more expansion talks? Yeah, that was an interesting revelation today because that – that that idea of going back to eight Big Ten games and then having an alliance game every year, uh, that, that's been one of the central models that athletic directors have been discussing among the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And so, at least from the Big Ten's point of view, and again, we don't know if Gene Smith's view uh, it represents the rest of the Big Ten. We, we do know that he's the AD at the, at the flagship school in the conference, so that definitely carries some weight. But you know, you think I, I think part of what you have to consider too is that the media rights deal for the league is up for bid here in another year. And I've seen projections even this week that have said this could be the first billion dollar deal done with uh, whatever network um, to, to televise Big Ten athletics. And so, if you're the Big Ten, then you have to start looking at your inventory or, or the games that you're putting out there. And so, is it better to have eight Big Ten games or, or conference games and then guarantee one elsewhere within the alliance? Or is it better to have that ninth game and then leave those other three non-conference games up, up for what you want to do with, whether you want to schedule a marquee game, whether you want to try to pad your record with some lower-level competition? So I think that the, the money part of it and the media rights deal has to play a factor as well. And then the other part of it, too, is athletic directors uh, are very – conscientious about the idea of expansion in the college football playoff and if it goes to eight or to 12 or to 16 or whatever the number ends up being uh you know the, the goal is to try to find the easiest or the best path to get as many teams from your league into that playoff and so i, I think there's a calculation within the big 10 at least in part that pro- that maybe the better route to take is to just play your conference brethren who you know, are a part of one of the strongest leagues in college football, uh, as opposed to taking your chances with maybe a mid-level team from the Pac-12, which has really struggled, or even the ACC. So I think there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, but part of me, as, as someone who would who would follow the team, would be kind of interested to see how Nebraska would travel to, you know, Boston College or to Arizona State or whatever it might be. But I think uh, when you look at, again, some of the bigger picture things like money and the CFP, 
um, it, they're starting to think that maybe it makes more sense to just stay at nine games. Yeah, well, that, it, it's it's amazing. To, I, that that alliance was always kind of weird because it was nothing in paper; it was just a handshake deal. And you feel like I don't know how how much that's going to last in in an ever changing world of college football. And it doesn't look like it's lasted too long. But uh, in any case, uh, thanks for the insight there, and and also uh, for the baseball team, of course, as well. Uh, and uh, thanks for joining us today on the block. He's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, uh, have a good day. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yep, there he goes. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Um, very interesting stuff. I, I saw that, too. I mean, the, the, the payday may be coming for the Big Ten, and this will really start to pay off for Nebraska joining the Big Ten. I know it's been several years, but um, these contracts are the reason why. Um, there is speculation out there where, where they, they – they, currently the rights deal is $440 million to the conference, and obviously they split that among um, the conference teams. Um to more than double that to get to a billion uh, would be amazing and would follow my belief that if, that this might be headed toward the Big Ten versus the SEC um, as far as you know adding more teams in the, in the future, what college football looks like, similar to an AFC-NFC type of thing eventually uh, over there in, in, in the NFL. I, I think that that's a possibility down the line, but we'll have to kind of follow this. Either way, I guess more money for the Big Ten means more money for Nebraska, so it's, uh, it's, it's not too bad of news. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I, I listen. That's where it's at. You know, these days you chase the cash, chase the bag. So yeah. shoot, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's where a lot of them are looking at. Where the bag at? It's always it's always going to be different than college football of yesteryear, and and that's going to be hard to get over for a lot of people. But I think the changes have just begun, and it's gonna it's gonna keep rolling, and we'll have to roll with the punches, and hopefully Nebraska can roll with those punches and get a good product out there. I think that that money is going to help. All Big Ten teams, as far as competitiveness, like you know, you look at Mel Tucker and the, the massive contract that that Michigan State was willing to sign with him. Um, you know, I think we'll see more of that from Big Ten teams here around the corner, especially if that's <laughs> if that billion that they're talking about is the actual number. Uh, we'll take a quick break here on the block. When we come back, it is time for a shootout with Strick. Your chance to win fifteen dollars to Buffalo Wings and Rings. Get in line now four zero two four six four five six. Eight, five. Today's topic is championship teams. So call right now, 402-464-5685 for your chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. That's coming up next here on The Block.